Welcome to the Rochester Rising podcast, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs in Rochester, Minnesota. Thank you for spending some time with us today to learn more about small business and the culture of entrepreneurship in our area. We hope that you learned something today from a local entrepreneur that can help you with your own journey. Rochester Rising is a part of Collider, a Rochester-based nonprofit that activates, connects, and empowers early-stage entrepreneurs in our community. You can learn more about Collider and how our organization can help accelerate and assist your journey at collider.mn. Today on the podcast, we chat with Allie Kupenbender about her floral agriculture and design business, Bleed Heart Floral Farm and Design. Let's get started. Well, welcome, Allie. Thanks so much for being on the show with me today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, to get started, what brought you to the Rochester area and what would you say keeps you around? Yeah, um, I grew up in the cities and my parents still live in Egan and then my husband grew up in Rochester. Um, So we moved back from Washington State in 2019 and we're looking really anywhere along the Highway 52 corridor for land Um, and definitely wanted to prioritize like south of Cannon Falls, really... um, like when I was looking at cut flower farms, it seemed like there was a fair amount of people that were servicing the Twin Cities, but there really wasn't anyone um, servicing Rochester. So I really wanted to kind of be close to Rochester so I could um, grow cut flowers specifically for um, florists and event event florists. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you moved back to the Rochester mm-hmm. area very much with that yes, in, yeah. in your mind yeah, that, that you were ready goal. to do that. Yeah. Very cool. What's kind of your background in work and education that kind of brought you to this point? Yeah, I, right out of high school, went to Grinnell College in Iowa, in Grinnell, Iowa. Um, I only went there for about a year and a half. Um, Just wasn't, I was going for art, studio art, and it was really expensive for, like, not really knowing what I wanted to do with that. Um, So I ended up stopping halfway through my second year and... um, ended up going back to school a couple years later um, at the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington, which okay. is like um, started in the 70s. It's like very much an experimental <laughs> education. It's like sure. a hippie school. Yeah, sure. Kind of how we, um, yeah, there's no majors, no grades, um, which sounds like it's not a real place, but it's really like prioritizing learning for the sake of learning. And mm-hmm. um, I thrived there because I put a lot of pressure on myself to like, be the best and I always felt like I wasn't very good at like science or math type um things um but there since you don't have to worry about getting A's I could really um take like science classes and like I really love botany and like plants I've always loved plants um but I was worried about like the math like the hard Mm -hmm. like the science Mm -hmm. part of that um so I ended up taking a farming class um and I loved it I loved being outside I loved working with my hands um so yeah I was going for like studio art and ended up with a sustainable agriculture degree. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, ended up there. Then I, from there, worked on a couple different farms um, in Olympia and then also in the Skagit Valley, which is like 
people know it for like the tulip festivals. Oh, sure. Um, so I actually worked at a farm that sold to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Co-op, which is like a wholesale hub for owned by farmers, sells directly to florists in Seattle. Um, the lady that I worked for was actually one of the founding farm members. She was like the president of the Seattle Wholesale Co-op. Um, yeah. So I learned a ton from her um, with the like in the back of my mind that we weren't going to settle in Washington land was like way too expensive. Sure. Um, and both of our families are here. So we knew we wanted to eventually move back here. So I worked for her for a couple of years, learned a ton, um, came back and yeah, bought, bought our, bought our little chunk of land, um, in October of 2019. Sure. How was your experience kind of finding that land and then cultivating it? Yeah, it's definitely, experience um I'm really grateful that we found our place when we did too just because like before the pandemic I feel like land like yeah people are trying to get out of town mm-hmm. during the pandemic and land prices and like just places like little farm stand um homesteads um like yeah it, they're really hard to come by and extremely expensive so we actually really lucked out the like the place that we bought um the guy, it was like his dream forever home, but his wife had already moved to Missouri. So if he like wanted oh, to stay married, sure. he was going to have to move. Um, so he was like really sad to leave and like not necessarily trying his hardest to sell it. So it's like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it took a little um, finagling to get him to leave or to want to <laughs> sell it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you ended yes, up finding some yeah. land and that it worked yeah. out. What are some other challenges or barriers you faced while getting started with this business? Yeah, so 2020 was my first growing season. And, like, my goal was wholesale to florists. So Mm -hmm. 2020 was not the greatest year Yeah, I'm sure the the buying pattern was very offset that year. So I actually was not planning on doing a CSA, which is a community supported mm-hmm. agriculture. Most people are familiar with it, like in the context of veg farmers mm-hmm. um, and like you, you pay up front for a weekly box of vegetables. But I did that in the context of a bouquet CSA the first year. Um, so I actually was making like 120 bouquets. Um, a week, which is a ridiculous amount. Yes. Uh, but that was like my own, pretty much my only sales outlet that year. Um, yeah. And it, it ended up working really well. It wasn't like what I was planning on doing, but people, it was like really well received. I think people like, yeah, I got lots of feedback that people were, um, it was the highlight of their week. Like they were really yeah. like stuck at home, not a lot to do. So you, yeah, you get flowers every week to kind of like something to look forward to mm-hmm. um yeah absolutely what are some of your strategies as far as finding clients and letting people know about your business yeah I so I do a lot of like wholesale to florists I actually mm-hmm. sell with um I actually met her when I worked at Jell Mold Farm um Molly uh of Northerly Flora she's based okay. in Minneapolis and then she also has a plot in Hudson um so I've been selling with her this year directly to florists um, and then, yeah, just lots of like contacting floors. A lot of uh, people, it seems like the name has gotten out a fair amount that I've had quite a few people contact me at this point. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, lots of just trying to get, like, let people know that I'm here. I sell 
wholesale to florist. I think it's like, yeah, definitely like letting people know that I've like worked on farms for the past mm-hmm. like eight years, eight to 10 years. And I like definitely know what I'm doing in terms of like post-harvest handling, know how, to, like mm-hmm. when to cut flowers, how to, how to like hydrate them. I have a walk-in cooler. So like, yeah, stuff that people know, like these are quality flowers. It's not just like they're professionally grown. It's not just like stuff that I picked in a ditch, so, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah. Totally. Um, and then in terms of like the CSA, I've done some marketing with different like magazines and, um, stuff and just like social media. Um, yeah, I feel like I need to, I had a really big CSA and then I like kind of shrunk it down and sure. I'm trying to grow it back up. So I got to start thinking about, yeah. How to, how to get yeah. more clients, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that a lot of local florists are dedicated to using local flowers when they can? Yeah, I mean, I think there are definitely, like, people, like, like, like Brie of Fox and Fern, like, sure. she's very committed to, like, quality flowers, and, like, that includes, like, locally grown flowers. They're just better because they don't have to be shipped for like mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. on end um i definitely think that rochester is five years behind the mm-hmm. cities um and this like yeah the twin cities definitely has like florists like very high-end florists that are very committed to like using locally grown flowers mm-hmm. just because like that is the way that the coasts are going like i think the cities are 10 years behind the like the east and west coast but those that's the trend like going forward and i think mm-hmm. gen z is the generation that's getting married now and they are very much like a visual generation so what they see mm-hmm. on social media is what they want and like the the high-end florists that's mm-hmm. what they're doing is like mm-hmm. the more wild not so um manicured um yeah. floral design it's definitely like airy wildflowers they're very committed to sustainability and locally grown is a part of yeah. sustainability so i think that's awesome i think there's definitely room for growth in rochester if for sure yeah yeah it's just kind of letting people know that this is available. Like you (laughs) don't have to just buy from like the big box, um, super stores and Mm -hmm. yeah, like I am growing quality flowers and you do get a lot of variety. You can find stuff that's not, um, available because it doesn't ship well. Like, uh, Icelandic poppies, like they don't really ship very well or, um, yeah, different, different things that you just don't normally see in the like traditional wholesale trade. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, what can people expect to experience when working with you or purchasing your product? Yeah, I think um, quality is really important to me. And just, yeah, like understanding that it is a perishable product. Um, So like understanding when to harvest things, how to condition them. um, Yeah, that's really important. I think like knowing that I do know all those things and I'm really committed to quality is important. And then just like understanding that I'm also a one person. Well, I have, I do have two amazing employees, but like all the day-to-day operations is done by me. Mm -hmm. And so like when (laughs) humans are not perfect, when things mess, like I'm not like, a big corporation. So there I do make mistakes sometimes. Yes. And like understanding that it's just a person behind this business. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are very used to like 
on demand. Stuff is on yep. demand, instant, and like, yeah, it's definitely really hard to do that as a one one person. But I'm trying my best. <laughs> I'm sure you're doing yes. a wonderful yeah. job. <laughs> yeah. What do you find most rewarding and enjoyable about your work? Yeah, I think, I mean, like, I wanted a job that I could be outside pretty much all, all day, every day. And I think I have um, achieved that with with this this business. Um, I love, I just love this, like, watching the seasons change. And I think, like, it, like the CSA is a microcosm of that. Every week you see over time how the season is changing. But, like, I get to see that on, like the vast, like the field scale mm-hmm. or land scale. Um, yeah. Just seeing how, like how the site, I don't, I don't know that maybe that's like woo woo, but like the, the seasonal change is like kind of magic. Like no, it's like dead in the winter. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, it's just crazy that from nothing, this whole beautiful field appear, well, it's not from nothing. There's a lot of like <laughs> compost and more. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, yeah. Cool to, cool to see and that is really my favorite part about it yeah Yeah. flowers make people happy and they're yeah I think they're um something they're not it's not like a necessity it's definitely a luxury good but like they are kind of a necessity like beauty is necessary in your Mm -hmm. life too I think Mm -hmm. absolutely well, any big plans for the future moving forward? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're pretty well maxed out on what we have. We have just under four acres, and I think by next year we'll be completely maxed out on what we can grow on our land. So probably um, if I do want to expand some more, it's looking at Getting more land. land. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I, I have two hoop houses that came on a – on a semi yesterday so that's like a new and exciting thing for next year i'll be growing in hoop houses and um yeah i'm just yeah excited i'm done i'm pretty much done with this season i'm ready this this year has been really hard with like the drought and extreme temperature changes and bug it's just been like a very I'm, t- I'm really tired. I'm ready for it to freeze. I'm ready for it to be <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah, for your break. <laughs> but I'm also ex- really, at the same time, very excited about next season and, like, already, like, okay, got to get my seeds, like, got to pick out my seed order. And, yeah. like, I feel like it's, like, the simultaneously exhausted and excited for next year. And I think, like, this year I had a lot of change. Like, there was a lot of changes I ended up losing. Not to go into too much detail, I guess I ended up not selling to something that was like eighty percent of my sale, like sales revenue last year. So like that's okay. a huge chunk. Sure. Yeah, but I ended up being like I hit last year's sales like a week or two ago. So it ended up being okay. Yeah. It was just like a lot more hustling and scrambling to figure out what I was doing this year. Um, so it, in that sense, like regardless of the weather, the weather has been really exhausting, but like, I'm also like been hustling a lot more this year and I'm like very tired, but I'm excited about like these new opportunities and the relationships that I've created this year. And I think that like going forward, it'll be a lot more smooth and just like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the future, I guess. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear (laughs) it. (laughs) Yes. What's a piece of advice that you would give to someone considering starting a business? Yeah. Um, just know that like it's, it's a lot. If you le- oh, man. if you let it take over your life, it will. Um, sure. It's 
a lot of work. It's a lifestyle, which is like <laughs> stupid. I don't know. I don't like necessarily love when people say that kind of kind of stuff, but like it is a lifestyle. Like mm-hmm. it's not just a job. You're not working a nine to five. There are days that you're gonna work sixteen hours and hustle a lot. Mm-hmm. And like if like there are some days that I'm like, oh man, I wish I just had a normal job. This is like a lot. But the like being your own boss, getting to do what you love. I mean, like for me, getting to be outside every day, I feel like my employees are like amazing people. And like, I consider them fr- like my, my husband jokes that like I'm paying for friends this summer <laughs> because they're like, they're the best. I like genuinely like them as people. It's yeah. like when they work, I feel like I'm like hanging out with friends. So it's like, I think there are like a lot of really amazing and rewarding things about starting a business, but like also it's a lot of work yes, and you like have yeah. to know, I mean you, and you don't know that until you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like get as much experience as you can. Um, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I realize you spend a lot of time doing what you do, but what are some of your hobbies and interests outside um, of work? I, so I have a, t- yeah, 2020, I was also pregnant with our first, kid um so he'll be three in October which is wild so I feel like he occupies a lot of our free time too um but he's amazing he's a hilarious little goofball he's he's the boss of the farm (laughs) I feel like um he takes up a lot of time and then just yeah like hanging out um we go to the we we live fairly close to Lake Zombro um float the river a fair amount there's like a little creek pretty close to us. Yeah, just ha- hanging out outside, but like yeah, biking, running, swimming, floating. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, all the outdoor yeah. activities. Yeah, all the outdoor activities um, that you can do with a three-year-old or almost three-year-old. He's not quite three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much yeah, for sharing a bit about your story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to Allie for sharing her story. You can learn more about Bleed Heart Plural by clicking the link in our show notes. And thank you for tuning into the podcast today. We're so appreciative of your time spent listening and of your support of our work here at Collider. If you know an entrepreneur who would benefit from the conversation today, please share this podcast with them so that they can benefit from the experience of other business owners in the community. We launched Rochester Rising in 2016 to tell stories of entrepreneurship taking place within the city of Rochester especially stories that otherwise would not have been told, and to take the time to understand each entrepreneur and what their experience has been like in this community. If you find value in this podcast, please consider donating and lending support to Collider's efforts to share the stories of Rochester entrepreneurs and inspire others on their journey. You can find more information about our tip jar and how to donate in our show notes. Thanks again for tuning into the Rochester Rising podcast.